Good evening. It is 5 p.m. and I'm CFRC's broadcast journalist, Christina Laurie. You're listening to Kingston Currents here on CFRC 101.9 FM based in Kingston, Ontario. CFRC's news programming is brought to you by the Community Radio Fund of Canada under the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University Career Services, What Will I Wear at 732 Princess Street, and the Screening Room at ScreeningRoomKingston.com. In the next half hour, we will be discussing the major budget cuts being made in the upcoming years at Queen's and the community conversation it has sparked. Kingston Frontenac Public Library's edition of free menstrual products and washrooms at all of their locations. What's on the agenda for City Council this evening and announcements from the City of Kingston, the Kingston Frontenac Public Library, and more. To start us off, leaked documents have revealed that drastic cuts will be made to the Faculty of Arts and Science at Queen's University, and the Queen's community is responding. The bulk of the conversation began when a memo from the Dean of Arts and Science, Barbara Crow, sent to Artside Department heads was leaked, revealing drastic cuts planned for the department in the next two years due to Queen's financial deficit. In the memo, it was stated that $30 million of the projected $62 million deficit is rooted in the Faculty of Arts and Science, by far the largest faculty at Queen's. The Board of Trustees and the Provost are urging the university to eliminate this deficit in the next few years. The message was followed by a long list of cuts to be made within the faculty. Some changes include departments are being asked to condense course options, streamline specializations, and limit electives. There is set to be a decrease in course options by 13% across arts and science in 2024 to 2025. Departments will not be allowed to replace retiring or resigning professors. Starting 2024 to 2025, no undergraduate course with enrollment below 10 students will run. And starting in 2025 to 2026, no graduate course with fewer than five students will run. With these changes coming imminently, without students being informed, the Queen's community has been motivated to speak out. The conversation has been across social media platforms, including Instagram pages like Queen's Youth Students vs. Cuts, and several posts on the Queen's University Reddit forum detailing the budget cuts garnering a large amount of attention. On Thursday night, Provost and Vice Principal Matthew Evans sent out a message to Queen's students regarding the cuts. The message stressed the financial challenges the university is facing, with costs for the university exceeding revenue to a quote, unsustainable level. He largely attributed the deficit to the provincial government's decision in 2019 to cut and freeze tuition costs. The message claims they are making quote, every effort to limit the impact on employees, end quote. Despite short-term budget balancing efforts resulting in job losses and unfilled positions, Provost Evans states, quote, we must look forward to build a long-term future for Queens that is fiscally sustainable where we have the dollars needed to invest in our research and education mission, which is essential for us to achieve our ambitions as a university for the future." End quote. Evans concluded the message acknowledging that achieving structurally balanced budgets will be a challenging process. However, once it is achieved, the university can continue to, quote, invest in academic excellence, end quote. Queen's Community Against Austerity, QCAA, a cross-campus alliance working to advocate against these cuts and suggest other options, hosted a teach-in from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. on Friday to inform the Queen's community of the situation and spread their message. The teach-in was widely attended, the Zoom meeting being full with 300 attendees, listening parties being hosted across campus and beyond, and the full event being broadcasted live on CFRC. Speakers at the event represented a variety of perspectives. Faculty and staff members of various departments within the faculty stepped up to say their piece. The first speakers outlined the financial situation of the university, offering alternatives other than drastic cuts. Um, the, the idea of a budget crisis is, to a certain extent, always constructed. 
It reflects uh, certain calculations, but these calculations are not just fact and truth that we should accept without questioning. Uh, they reflect some subjective views, some judgments, and these can definitely be challenged as we have just done uh, in this presentation. So um, we believe that there are alternative strategies available to the university to mitigate budget pressures, definitely. And I think on top of it, we need more transparency from uh, the university's leadership to um, explain in greater details and more convincingly how this um, deficit is constructed and if it really if we really need to uh, go through these uh, drastic cuts. Professors spoke to the impact this will have on their departments. So if we consider the hiring freeze plus deep reductions in term adjunct instructors and TA ships, um, we've been told to anticipate a 13% reduction in the number of courses taught at Queen's over the next several years. So that means that um, a little bit more than one in 10 of the courses currently timetabled uh, will not be timetabled in future years. So that's fewer choices for students in terms of what courses they're taking and individual courses being larger. Um, the fact that no courses with fewer than 10 students uh, are to be timetabled, uh, subject to to be announced uh, exceptions, um, that eliminates seminars in smaller programs. It also, in the case of my department, um, eliminates upper level language courses. So language courses, a lot of the languages we teach don't have a dedicated major. Um, and so the number of students in each level is necessarily less than the one before. So the students in second year Spanish is a subset of the students in first year Spanish. So that top level of courses, those are always slightly smaller courses. Um, and in all of the languages listed uh, that we have, so 300 level courses in Spanish, German, and Chinese, 200 level courses in Italian, Arabic, Hebrew, those are all courses that have fewer than 10 students. And so they are uh, potential uh, targets of this. So again, I think this is a reduction in the student experience uh, available at Queen's, the quality of the education students have access to, the opportunities our students have, and also uh, damages our ability to engage globally. Um, unless Queen's is saying that what we want to do is we want to engage globally, but we want to do that in English or maybe French, um, which I think runs counter to um, our goals of, of being a diverse and uh, working away from our colonial foundings as a uh, institution. Finally, I want to talk a little bit about morale. So um, faculty, uh, staff are being asked to do more and more with less. Um, faculty are being tasked to teach more students with less administrative support cuts to office support or, you know, the supplies available in a, an office, fewer TAs. Um, and so I think across faculty and staff who I've spoken to, um, there's a real feeling of um, uh, damage to morale and this being a, a difficult time. And what does that mean? That means that somebody uh, doesn't have the uh, energy or the enthusiasm to uh, create opportunities for students in classes and outside of campuses at classes. So that damages again, uh, the community and the opportunities we have on campus and as a campus community. Postgraduate and undergraduate students also spoke to how this will impact their experiences at Queens. And I cannot stress that enough that students are not, and I mean undergraduate students and graduate students, graduate workers were not responsible 
neither for the cost of living crisis nor for the budget deficit. And absolutely, we are not the ones that will pay for that uh, or can pay for that. We cannot afford to pay for that. This is uh, like we are at the very end of the rope as it stands. And hearing that we are supposed to now pay higher tuition uh, is just it's criminal again. It it is criminal, and I think the only thing that we can do, and Kelly already talked about it, the only strength we have is in collective bargaining and collective action. It is so obviously immoral for the university to continue to make offers to students to programs that will not exist in their advertised form next year, leaving these students wondering how they will be able to complete their degrees. Already, we are beginning to hear from students who have accepted their offers from Queen's in just the last few weeks, which is well after these changes were detailed to the faculty, but before they were leaked. And these students were left to discover for themselves that their planned majors may not even be viable once they arrive. The transition to university is difficult enough for students without finding out that you've been deceived by the institution to which you are about to dedicate the next four years of your life. This doesn't just affect current and future Queen's students, but past ones as well. As Queen's reputations plummet, so does the value of the, the, yeah, the degrees completed here. I have friends who have graduated who are now worried that the prestige of their degree will plummet. I have others who say that they would not have been able to pursue the studies that they are now had these cuts come into effect even a year, two years sooner. QCAA has also launched a petition to the Board of Trustees urging them to pursue alternative measures. Coming up on Monday, December 11th, there will be a Faculty of Arts and Science Town Hall with Provost Evans to discuss the topic. The meeting will be held in Biosciences Complex Room 1101 and be hosted virtually from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Um, so I think the hope, my hope and the hope of people involved in this conversation, as the last presenter said, I think it's great that we can have a conversation as a campus about what's important to us. What are we hoping to do as a university? Um, I think our hope, my hope is that the board of trustees and the provost can sort of look at how the ways that they're approaching uh, the budget situation are affecting um, our academic mission. I think that uh, these are people with what I hope or trust is the best interests of Queens um, in their minds. And uh, there are, we need to have a conversation as a community about what is most important to us and how can we sustain our research, teaching uh, and learning mission as an organization uh, in the context of maybe cuts that we need to make maybe even some that we want to make, um, but that we take the time to make uh, those changes uh, in the best way for us as a community and Queens as a university. The Kingston Frontenac Public Library is now providing free menstrual products in all public washrooms across their branches. KFBL aims to contribute to menstrual equity by ensuring free pads and tampons are easily accessible to everyone. In their release, they also let people know that these products will be readily available in both the women's and men's washrooms which was, quote, a deliberate choice, ensuring anyone can easily access them for personal use or to support partners, family members, and friends, end quote. Along with this step, on December 6th, they will also host a virtual session, How to Talk to Kids About Periods, in collaboration with The Period Purse, a Toronto-based charity dedicated a Toronto-based charity dedicated to achieving menstrual equity. I sat down with Kristen LeMay with KFBL to chat about this project and their collaboration with The Period Purse. I was wondering if you'd like to introduce yourself and your role with the Kingston Frontenac Public Library. 
Thank you very much. My name is Kristen LeMay, and I'm the manager of branches and collections at the Kingston Frontenac Public Library. Awesome. Thank you very much. And uh, we're mostly talking about today how KFPL has started to provide free menstrual products in all of your public washrooms across all of your branches. Uh, I was wondering to start us off if you could speak a bit to this need in Canada. Certainly. So one in five Canadians who menstruate struggle to afford menstrual products for themselves or dependents and have been forced to ration products because they can't afford more. Uh, in fact, there was a study conducted by Plan International Canada that showed that 63% of women and girls have regularly or occasionally missed an activity because of their period and concerns about not being able to access menstrual hygiene products or proper facilities. And this is something that we don't often talk about because of the perceived stigma. Yeah, absolutely. And I was wondering um, how public libraries are well positioned to address this need. Public libraries are great places to find information and connect with the community. People of all ages from different socioeconomic backgrounds come through our doors every day. For some, they may not have access to the products they need at home or at work. And if they're already coming to the library, this is a convenient place for them to access what they need. I was wondering how long this project has been in the works for KFPL. We started a pilot project at the Central Branch in December 2020. And then based on the success, we expanded this program to all 16 branches. Oh, awesome. Good stuff. Okay. And uh, I was wondering how this project was brought to fruition, like the team behind it, perhaps like where you got the funding for it. Right. So... In terms of how this project all began, during COVID, we were really taking a look at how we can best support the community. And this was something uh, that came out of that conversation. We started out by having the products behind the desk, but then we realized that it was a barrier for people because they had to come up and ask staff for the products. So then we moved them to the washrooms so that patrons could access the products independently. And we decided that this was an important initiative. Uh, menstrual products, they're a necessity, not a luxury. And this is why the initiative was expanded to all of our branches. And it seems like there is building awareness in the community that these resources are available at the library, which is fantastic. Yeah, that's great to hear. Sort of paired with this announcement, uh, you shared an upcoming event for KFPL. I was wondering if you could speak a bit about on December 6th, uh, how to talk to kids about periods, and also speak a little bit about how the period purse got involved with this event. Right. Our children's services librarian connected with a guest speaker from the period purse when she was attending a webinar about library services for children and youth. Uh, so the upcoming event will cover information about periods, reusable period products, and how to find the words to talk about a subject that may be uncomfortable for some caregivers. 83% of young Canadian menstruators experience shame, and one in three don't feel prepared for their first period. Caregivers can help alleviate these feelings by talking about periods, and this workshop will help give caregivers the language to do so. And anyone who is interested in attending this free program can visit our website at www.kfpl.ca to learn more and to register. Once again, that was Kristen LeMay on KFPL's introduction of free menstrual products across all of their washrooms. The virtual presentation, How to Talk to Kids About Periods, will be conducted in real time using Google Meets, starting at 6.30pm and registration is required. 
you can register at calendar.kspl.ca. Before we get into more local news headlines, I am going to throw it to Chloe Paris with your CFRC weather and traffic report for today. This is Chloe Paris coming in with your CFRC weather and traffic report for Tuesday, December 5th. For weather today, there will be cloudy skies with a 30% chance of rain flurries. Winds will be up to 15 kilometers per hour with a high of zero. Weather tonight will consist of cloudy skies with a low of minus six, following overnight wind chills of minus 10. For your weekly traffic report, road closures. 7th Avenue, Alfred to Hillcrest, closed until December 15th for the installation of utilities. Union Street, University to Division, will be closed today from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. for construction-related activity for the Queen's John Dutch University Center project. University Avenue, Union to Earl, will be closed from December 22nd for the removal of the debris from the demolition and concrete deliveries at the Queen's John Dutch University Center project. In other delays, Bay Ridge Drive, Woodbine to Cataraqui Woods, expect delays until November 8th for the Phase 1 of the Bay Ridge Drive cycling and pedestrian improvements. Princess Street, Collins Bay to Bay Ridge, expect delays until December 8th for the construction of new sidewalks and traffic signals along Princess Street. Please note that only one lane of traffic will be maintained in each direction at all times on Princess Street. Queen Street, Montreal to Sydenham, expect an eastbound lane closure until April 1st, 2024. Detours will be in place for the duration of the lane closure. Westbrook Road, Princess Street to Windermere, expect delays until December 8th for the construction of new sidewalks and road habilitation. That wraps up your weather and traffic report for Tuesday, December 5th. Now I'm throwing it back to Christina with more local news. Thank you very much, Chloe. In a message from the City of Kingston, the City is seeking public input on the potential implementation of a residential rental licensing program. Property owners, renters, and landlords are invited to provide feedback by completing the Residential Rental Licensing Survey on the Get Involved Kingston platform. This engagement initiative comes after City Council passed a motion on December 20th, 2022, in which staff were directed to draft a report that would examine the implementation of a pilot Residential Rental Licensing Program, RRLP, along with other potential regulatory options. The pilot program is proposed to apply to properties containing one to four residential rental units on a lot in Sydenham and Kings Court to Rideau, two districts with a high density of rental properties. Curtis Smith, Director of Licensing and Enforcement at the City of Kingston states, this engagement will help us better understand residents' experiences and concerns with residential rental units. A residential rental licensing program could help us identify potential issues with units and build an inventory of the city's existing rental housing stock. Our goal is to achieve this at the lowest cost to all participants, end quote. Feedback gathered from the engagement will be used to identify residents' and property owners' concerns with rental units, as well as gather feedback on the potential benefits and limitations of an RRLP. Concerns and feedback alike will be considered when drafting the RRLP. Survey participants have the option to enter a draw for a $100 Visa gift card as a thank you for their time. The engagement closes on December 21st, 2023. Once again, you can find the survey at the Get Involved Kingston website. 
The 2024 Kingston Community Climate Action Fund project announced. Selected by Council as the focus of the Kingston Community Climate Action Fund, KCCAF, in 2024, All Our Land Relations Land Trust is set to lead a project aimed at curbing greenhouse gas emissions through the installation of solar panels and a new rainwater collection structure. Now entering its fourth year, the KCCAF raises awareness and support for community climate action projects. Mayor Patterson states, quote, It's been so great seeing incredible projects made a reality through the Kingston Community Climate Action Fund. This fund is a great example of working together to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, and with the support of the community and the generosity of the Kingston Community Credit Union, we can make another climate action project possible, end quote. This year's featured project, situated on a pasture on Highway 15 in Kingston, will provide essential power and water resources. Supporting the Indigenous Food Sovereignty Garden, Medicine Gardens, a pollinator garden, and Little Forests. All these initiatives are carefully stewarded by All Our Relations Land Trust, in collaboration with members of the urban Indigenous community, allies, and partner organizations, including Little Forests Kingston. Dr. Caitlin Patterson of All Our Relations Land Trust states, quote, Your support allows us to honor all our relations by restoring forests and habitats in urban spaces. The work begins with an understanding that the ecological web of life is also a web of kin. Land stewardship is done by all ages in many ways and with love." End quote. The project site is located on the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, Anishinaabe, and Haudenosaunee peoples, now known as Kingston, Ontario. All Our Relations Land Trust recognizes the land as kin, a beloved relation. The Land Trust will continue to practice good governance, build knowledge, and care for the land in a good way. Julie salter Manager of Climate Leadership at the City states, quote, The Climate Action Fund is rooted in collective climate action, bringing us all together to build a better future. This incredible project not only supports vital climate action, but also nurtures our connections to the land. Your support enables us to honor our connections through an actionable project that will lead to a more sustainable future, end quote. Thanks to the generous community support during the 2022-23 fundraising year, more than $57,000 was raised to support Frontenac Club Daycare's Energy Retrofit Project and Sustainable Kingston's Electric Vehicle. These projects also received generous support from the James Braden Auto Group, the official EV partner of KCCAF, and Tozer Heating and Air, the HVAC partner. How to donate. Donations to the fund are accepted at all KCCU branches, with the KCCU committed to matching donations made through the bank up to $5,000. Donations are also being accepted online through Canada Helps and the Kingston City Hall Payment Center. 100% of all funds raised go directly to the Kingston charity. Tax receipts will be distributed for donations of $20 and over. About all our relations land trust, who have a fundraising goal of just over $27,000. In 2024, a licensed electrical contractor with a specialty in remote off-grid agricultural sites, will install solar panels on the south-facing, shade structure roof, and a shed roof. The roofs will double as a 3,000-liter rainwater collection structure, and will have the capacity to increase the volume of water storage. The panels will provide power for a solar-powered irrigation system that will draw from either stored rainwater or from an existing in-ground 100-foot well, recharging stations for electrical batteries, lighting and other outdoor electrical chargers and receptacles, and the system will be 100% grid connection ready. You can learn more about this project at cityofkingston.ca slash kccaf. In a message from Downtown Kingston, Downtown delights this December with a flurry of festive fun. Downtown Kingston delights this December, offering holiday shoppers a flurry of fun-filled activities, including festive Fridays, stop and shop Saturdays, a holiday shopping passport, and a giant holiday advent calendar filled with amazing gift ideas and daily prizes, and free parking. 
festive Fridays, and stop and shop Saturdays. Running Friday evenings, December 8th, 15th, and 22nd from 5 to 8 p.m., festive Friday is the best time to make your list and check it twice. Many shops will be offering customer appreciation treats, entertainment, and promotions, and don't fret about making it to all your stops. Jump on the free holiday trolley and enjoy live musical performances or snuggle up on a free horse-drawn wagon ride. And when your shopping is done, grab a hot drink and sink into a large Muskoka around a roaring fire pit in Springer Market Square. On Saturdays, December 9th, 16th, and 23rd from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., the fun continues with the added perk of free parking. As a special gift from the downtown Kingston business community and in partnership with the city of Kingston, on-street parking and parking in downtown surface lots is free every Saturday until Christmas. And don't forget to grab your holiday shopping passport at any participating business. Make a purchase of $10 or more and receive a special sticker to fill your passport. Once your passport is complete, submit it and you could win one of four weekly draws for a $500 Downtown Kingston gift card or the grand prize of a $3,000 Downtown Kingston gift card. The gift card can be used at over 120 downtown businesses. Holiday advent calendar and just when you thought you were done, stop by Sydenham Street where you could win daily prizes with the giant holiday advent calendar. Discover 24 days of gifts from your favorite downtown shops, restaurants, salons, and spas. A new gift will be revealed each day leading up to Christmas, and it could be yours. All event details, including trolley and horse-drawn carriage stops and timings, as well as contest information, will be available at downtownkingston.ca. Mark your calendars for Festa Fun with KFPL this December. December is almost here, and the Kingston Frontenac Public Library is ready to slay the holiday season. They're excited to offer a flurry of free and fun family activities that will make winter days merry and hearts warm as a cup of cocoa. Brianne Peters, Librarian and Children's Services states, quote, there's no place like KFPL this December. We believe in the gift of knowledge and we are thrilled to offer a generous dose of holiday magic for free. Join us this winter season and discover that the library is where adventures begin, friends are made and memories are created, end quote. Coming up on December 12th, there will be a drop-in evening of puppetry and song at the Isabel Turner branch. Bring the family for puppet shows Bear Snores On and Ask Mr. Polar Bear starting at 6.30 p.m. For young artists aged 6 and up, visit the Pittsburgh branch on December 16th to create a winter watercolor scene. All painting materials included. Remember to register for this artistic endeavor. Newborns and pre-walkers are included in the holiday fun. Register for Jingle Bell Babies on December 20th at the Calvin Park branch. Parents and caregivers are in for a festive treat with heartwarming stories, songs, and rhymes. The celebrations culminate on December 23rd with a drop-in festive family story time at the Isabel Turner and Calvin Park branches. The perfect opportunity for families to come together and enjoy heartwarming holiday tales. For more information about these December activities and all of KFPL's special events, you can visit calendar.kfpl.ca. That is all things current in Kingston for this week. Thank you for listening to CFRC's local news programming, brought to you by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada under the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University Career Services, What Will I Wear at 732 Princess Street, and The Screening Room at ScreeningRoomKingston.com. To hear more from CFRC's news team, be sure to tune in at 5pm tomorrow for Today in YGK, or head to our podcast network at podcast.cfrc.ca. Be sure to stay tuned for more CFRC programming coming up next.
Waddle Eye Wear offers the best in vintage, funky, one-of-a-kind treasures, clothing, accessories, and a fabulous selection of jewels, vintage and new. Find the cutest purse, the most dashing of hats, and sunglasses. Everything to complete your individual look. Waddle Eye Wear has it all. They can dress you from top to bottom. Find your new fashion fave at Waddle Eye Wear at 732 Princess Street in Kingston. Visit their new location and follow them on Facebook to keep up to date with what's in store at Waddle Eye Wear. 